This is the Canadian Tax Podcast, episode number 28, hosted by me, Cameron Ware. Good morning. It is the week of December 14th, 2021. We will start with the news. Over the weekend, CRA website was offline. The uh, This was my account, my business account, and if your tax professional uh, represent a client, was also down, which for me was pretty annoying. I was working over the weekend. I was in the office trying to get a few things done and couldn't get at any of CRA's information. So that slowed a lot of things down for me. Uh, pretty annoying. But uh, anyway, specifically, uh, this was the, I did a little bit of Googling on this. And interestingly enough, CRA was not alone on this. This was a worldwide problem, actually. Uh, specifically, it was the log for shell exploit they discovered, uh, whoever they are. Uh, good news is for Canadians, there's no indication that taxpayer information was stolen. It was more of a, I guess, a website issue or, or that type of thing. Uh, information still a little bit limited as far as uh, CRA updates on the matter, but uh, I've got a link here uh, CRA's right to CRA's updates on this. I'm sure if there were any um, access issues um, or we'll say ne nefarious people accessing taxpayer information, we'll hear about it. Uh, additionally, I've got a link to The Verge. Uh, they have a um, uh, article. If you, if you want to get into the 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 hacker side of things, uh, you can read about the uh, the log for shell exploit there and. Uh, yeah, learn learn all about that fun stuff. Uh, next item, Canada and the uh, the ongoing electric vehicle uh, tax credit that uh, that the U.S. is providing to uh, U.S. consumers if they buy electrical vehicle or uh, electric vehicles produced in the U.S. Um, just really. Really quickly, the if, if you've been paying attention to the podcast, uh, last couple of weeks we've been reviewing this, but uh, basically it comes down to if a U.S. person, U.S. citizen buys a, a U.S. manufactured electric vehicle, they're eligible for a $12,500 tax credit or um, uh, purchase credit. And Canadian produced electric vehicles are not eligible for this. So if... Um, uh, you know, you've got a, a vehicle produced in Windsor, it goes across the border, sold down there, that doesn't qualify for this tax credit. Um, reading through my notes here, uh, the electric vehicle bill has already passed through Congress, through the U.S. Congress, and it's now on to the Senate for approval there. Supposedly, they're going to uh, get this, they're at least going to sit and review this prior to Christmas time. So in the next, it's what, the 14th today, so we've got another couple weeks. Um, based on what we're hearing from Ottawa, this, uh, this issue, it's going to cause some big, uh, big problems with the, uh, the Canadian automotive sector. Uh, trade minister, Mary Ng is quoted here as, uh, saying the electric vehicle credit amounts to, uh, about a, a 34% tariff on Canadian produced electric vehicles and violates the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, apparently. Uh, so Ottawa's looking, they're, they're saying if, if this continues, if, if the U.S. continues down this, this path and doesn't make accommodations for Canadian-manufactured uh, electric vehicles, 
Canada is going to do uh, tariffs. No specifics there. My guess is they'll just do the same targeted tariffs that they did um, when Trump was doing his aluminum stuff. And uh, one that made one that made me laugh was Canada in particular targeted Kentucky bourbon. Um, of course, that's a big export from U.S. to to Canada, and Canada uh, specifically said, "No, no, no, we'll slap some tariffs on that." That got the attention of Mitch McConnell, uh, and yeah, it, it was it was a pretty good strong arm tactic on on Ottawa's part. Although I don't know how much the U.S. really pays attention to to us it's like the fly on the back of an elephant's back i think is the saying but anyway i've got a link to uh global news here they they go into it a little bit a uh, little bit more detail but keep an eye on this it's definitely interesting to see the back and forth um audits uh, next item cra is resuming their uh sues post payment audit program there was a stakeholder email sent out december 7th to cpa canada from CRA saying they're going to resume their their yeah you know, basically their SUS audits in the fall of uh, um I, well I guess we're now in the winter of 2021 uh, CRA postponed it for a bit they're back at it uh, if you remember the SUS program this is the wage subsidy program offered to to employers basically Ottawa is subsidizing a portion of payrolls uh, CRA is going to contact claimants and request. Uh, relevant documents needed to verify revenues and payrolls for the the filed uh, periods. I've got a link here below to CRA's uh, frequently asked questions. They detail specifics about what paperwork the uh, the employer is going to need and how to uh, you know make make things easy. I, usually, I mean, around here we've been saying, look, if you're going to apply for these things, make sure you have your your payroll and uh, um, revenue comparatives ready beforehand and you should be able to if cra requests anything should be able to get the information uh, back to cra immediately what you don't want is saying hey you know give us two three four weeks to to put the stuff together that's when cra is going to start to uh have to justify their time on your file and it's likely they come up with all sorts of fun things whereas if you can give them the information immediately they tend to uh, move on to the next one uh, last item here, tax tips for the 2021 season. Uh, MoneySense.ca has released their tax tips for 2021. Uh, MoneySense, they're they're good. Um, I'd, I'll call them a, a casual financial planning um, magazine, art newsletter. I don't know, reading material anyway. Um, financial based for Canadians. They do they usually do a pretty pretty good job of uh, of their in their publication, I like their stuff. Um, for instance, in in uh, or, or rather to to get back to their their twenty twenty one tips here, it covers things like the the four hundred dollar flat rate home office inclusion that we did uh, for twenty twenty tax year last year. Actually, it was the, it was the first time CRA did this four hundred dollar flat rate or two dollars a day for a maximum of two hundred days. Uh, 2022, that's still in place. Uh, Money Sense goes over that. There's also some comments about, I don't know, things like dividend versus salary in terms of uh, if the shareholder of a corporation has childcare, for instance, and uh, 
differences between dividends versus salary. Uh, pro tip, salary is helpful if you have childcare expense. Uh, dividends, not so much. So anyway, there's about 15 tips there that uh, you can take a look at and uh, uh, makes for nice, nice light reading. Uh, moving on, listener questions this week. Uh, get my notes together here. Uh, question one. Do I get a tax deduction for uh, money spent legalizing my basement rental? I had electrical safety work done in my basement to legalize it for uh, being a basement rental. Do I get a deduction for the amount I paid the contractor? What about other costs associated with the legalization? Uh, so I'm going to default to my usual, uh, the, well, not my usual, but I use it frequently. I think all tax guys use it. Uh, the answer is it depends. And what, what you're looking at here is... The issue of uh, capital expenditures versus um, expenses or or deductions. You're this one's a little bit weird, just because I would say okay, if you had a um, you know an, an unfinished basement, uh, nothing there, and you went and built the the uh, rental suite, that is basically a capital addition. You're you're. Uh, it's, it's you create a fixed asset, so you can't you can't deduct the whole amount. You're going to take capital cost allowance, basically depreciation on the uh, on the asset, and you get to deduct a small portion of the cost of the asset or the cost of the the addition over a, a period of years, versus a an actual expense, which you can deduct 100% in. Uh, the the year that the the expense occurred. Now, having said that, I'm I'm looking at, at the uh, the question here. It mentions electrical safety work. My thought would be this is a little more aggressive, but my thought is likely you know the rental suite was already in place. It just wasn't up to code. So you're replacing old work with some new work. I I don't know if you've substantially improved the value of of the uh the asset or if you've increased the lifespan of the asset i think it's just replacing old shoddy work for um newer up to code work which in a way you could argue is repairs and maintenance so you might be able to push for 100 percent deduction there um however i'm gonna flash big uh big warning siren here the old air raid siren anytime you're talking about a principal residence which i'm assuming that's what's going on here because we're talking about basement suite in uh in somebody's home so we're going to assume in this case it's the taxpayer's uh principal residence once you start taking cca on your principal residence because the rental is attached to it um, long story short, you lose a chunk of your principal residence exemption. So down the road, if a taxpayer sells the house, portion of that is going to, uh, or, or rather a, a portion of the value of the, or the portion of 
the depreciated chunk of the rental property is not going to be applicable for the principal residence exemption on the sale of the house. So in other words, you sell the house, a portion of that you're going to have to pay some tax on, most likely, assuming you sell it for capital gain, which Canada's real estate market right now, uh, odds are it's probably what's going to happen. So long, long way of saying here, we always tell clients, you have a rental property, don't take depreciation on it. It's just, it, it, it's a cat. Yeah. You know, the finance guys, I can hear them cringing saying, well, what about cash flow, time value of money, all that stuff? Yes, that is a consideration, but oftentimes the, um, we'll say upfront cash savings is not worth the squeeze. As they say, it causes a lot of headaches down the road and just, just don't, um, if, if someone, if you really want to get into the details and specifics, you know, send me an email, we can discuss it. But generally speaking, I say, yeah, just, just leave it. It's not worth the headache. So, um, so yeah, with that in mind, is it a deduction? Yeah, it could be repairs and maintenance, just upgrading some electrical work. Um, you know, hundred percent deduction. If, if it turns into uh, capital cost allowance and, and that route, you could take that, but you run into issues with the principal residence exemption down the road and that type of thing. So hopefully that helps. Uh, next question. Uh, one of my cross-border ones, uh, U.S. tax. These are always fun. Um, oh, this one's right to the point. What's the most efficient way to receive dividends from a U.S. LLC as a Canadian? Um, I'll just, I'll keep it brief. Uh, this is a trick question is what it is. There isn't an efficient way to receive dividends from US LLC as a Canadian. It's a tax trap. Um, US LLC owned by a Canadian um, and distributing dividends or, or uh, funds to Canadian. It, it, you get, you mean the, the way CRA is handling these things, the, the, or rather the way that CRA treats um, US LLC entities. Uh, it causes double tax, full stop. Uh, to, to put it frankly, you get super screwed when you set up this type of a tax um, or a, a corporate setup. Um, getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but basically what what happens, the, the way that CRA and uh, Department of Finance are treating US LLCs, there's been a few... Um, folios out on, or was it the folios or just, I know, I think it's IT bulletins. Long story short, CRA treats a US LLC as a foreign corporation, which is interesting because US side, they treat the LLCs as a non-entity. It's a flow-through entity in uh, IRS lingo. So in other words, even though you have this on, on paper, uh, uh, limited liability entity, as far as the IRS is concerned, it's it's not a thing. Uh, you, you can elect either way. You can make it an S-corp too if you want. But generally, most uh, LLCs, they're just treated no different than uh, a personal tax. Uh, or um, uh, for Canadians, it's, it's treated no different than, say, when you file your, uh, your T1 return. It's basically a flow-through. So you have this uh, business on paper, but it just flows through to um, Schedule C on the, uh, the 1040 return. And uh, you pay... U.S. tax, U.S. personal tax on that. Uh, the flip side of that coin is in Canada, Canada says, whoa, 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 that's a corporation. So that 
quote unquote personal tax that you paid, uh, you filed the 1040 uh, US return, paid some personal tax. Canada says, no, 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 that's corporate tax. That's not personal tax. So why does this matter? Well, on your Canadian tax return, um, normally what you do is you, you file your, your Canadian taxes like, uh, like normal. You receive, say, quote-unquote dividends from, from that, uh, or no, we won't call it dividend. We'll just say you, you took some draws from, uh, from the U.S. LLC, and uh, you're going to claim a foreign tax credit that you paid, the U.S. taxes that you paid when you filed the U.S. 1040. Canada says you can't do that. That's not personal tax. That's corporate tax. You can't claim corporate tax uh, as a foreign tax credit on a personal tax return. That's outrageous. So what winds up happening is you pay uh, U.S. personal tax that you cannot claim Canadian side as a foreign tax credit. So Canada says, well, hey, all those payments you took out of your uh, the U.S. LLC, those are foreign dividends, and uh, you're going to pay personal personal tax on. Uh, on dividend income and no foreign tax credit on that. So long story short, you wind up paying double tax and you get absolutely screwed at something like 75% tax rate on this. So long story short, if you're Canadian, do not have a US LLC. It causes huge, huge, huge problems. Um, just don't do it. If you do have it uh, set up like that, <laughs> get in touch with uh, myself or your accountant or whoever and start changing things around fast because this is uh this will be a problem for you if, if cra ever looks at it so the the short answer to wrap this up what's the most efficient way to receive dividends from my us llc as a canadian uh it's called don't have an llc in in the u.s and uh we'll leave it at that uh last question here um, capital gains versus, uh, versus income. Uh, listener says I, uh, I had a stock I bought in 2020 and sold it in 2021 that made some good money. Uh, I had some other trades during the year, but only one was profitable. But at the end of the year, it's looking like I'm going to have a $175,000 us gain. Is this taxed as income or capital gains? Uh, Again, it depends based on what I'm seeing here. It, it looks to me like the trades were more, uh, the uh, listener writes, I made some other trades during the year. To me, that reads as more of a, you know, a casual, um, casual type of trading. It doesn't sound to me like, uh, he or she is, uh, is day trading and, and, um, you know, doing Wall Street bets type uh, type of stuff. Um, so the way CRA treats these things is they basically look at it as, are you actively trading versus um, uh, sitting on the asset or, or basically or is, is the gain made on account of capital? In other words, you, you weren't, um, well, you weren't flogging uh, a whole bunch of different trades. So like I say, it's always based on a case-by-case basis uh typically the way it works if you're just making a few casual trades here and there it's basically a, a buy and hold and the uh the gain was was incidental to the uh intent of i'm going to buy that uh asset and earn income off of the off of holding the asset via interest dividends that kind of thing uh, if the gain's incidental it's treated as capital gain if you're day trading and basically buying and selling shares and flipping you're that's business income 
and so a hundred percent inclusion in income versus the fifty uh, percent uh, income inclusion when it comes to capital gains. Now, there's always I always laugh at these because it, it seems like in uh, it, it, taxpayers want it both ways. In uh, in any year that they make money trading, uh, of course they want it to the, the income to be a capital gain because of course only fifty percent is taxable. And the years that they lose, they want to treat it as uh, the loss as uh, as business income because of course you can if it's a uh, uh, business loss in this case, you can apply that loss against other income. So usually what you see guys doing, take a big loss and uh, try to apply it as a loss against their their T four employment income. And on paper, have zero taxable income for the year because the uh, the trade trading losses wiped out their uh, their employment income. <laughs> if you do that, expect CRA to, uh, to to pay you a visit. Not you know they're not being mean or anything, but that is definitely uh, when they see that type of uh, transaction, um, they like to check it out, follow up on details and stuff. So. I, I just I get a laugh out of that because the the answer to this question always depends on uh, um, or, or rather what the the client wants to hear always depends on the activity that the client had during the year. They uh, well like I said you make money you want it to be capital gain you lose money you want it to be a business loss. So based on what I'm reading here it sounds to me like you weren't an active trader there you know it wasn't uh, you know just sitting around you know, doing 90 trades a day, uh, five days a week, that kind of thing. It looks like it was more, more casual. So based on that, I would likely lean towards it being, uh, your, your 175,000 gain likely be a, a capital gain, but like usual, without more details, I can only speculate, but, uh, based on what I'm reading here, I think you're probably safe with, uh, with capital gain treatment. So, uh, with that, we'll wrap things up. Uh, like always, if you have any questions, send them to questions at canadiantaxpodcast.ca or find us over on Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening this week, and uh, we'll see you again next week. This commentary is for general informational purposes only and deals with complicated and time-sensitive info that may not apply to your situation. Tax rules are always changing, and this information may not be current. Tax is complicated. This information is not tax advice. Don't rely on this info to make tax decisions. Hire a professional to help you. For more info, see canadiantaxpodcast.ca slash disclaimer.